The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. All right, well, uh, if you were distracted by the lights this morning, uh, there's a production in the theater, and it's the first one we've had since we've moved in, and so the light board has gone crazy. So this is not a rave, this is church, I promise, and uh, we'll just deal with it, all right? Well, hey, if you have a Bible this morning, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're in a series called Futures. If you're here for the first time, I hope it feels like home to you. We go out of our way to make this a place that feels welcoming, and we hope that's your experience this morning. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 this morning, we're going to make our way from verse 1 all the way to verse 3. And uh, I'm excited to preach this morning. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you're good to us. Your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And God, we commend it to you. I pray that you'd speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I love dessert. Anybody love dessert in here? Are you a dessert fan? I think I get it from my grandfather. Um, Anytime we would go out to eat, he would always order dessert first. And uh, he would eat his dessert first, and he would say, the reason why I do it is because if Jesus comes back before I finish this meal, I want to get the best part first. And um, I I got my grandfather's love of dessert. Specifically, um, I have a favorite dessert, and my favorite dessert is banana pudding. Anybody like banana pudding? All right. Uh, Specifically, it's um, Paula Deen's Nacho Mama's Banana Pudding, Shekinah. It's awesome. And uh, my wife will make it occasionally on special occasions. And I always want to eat it like like I want to eat it the day she makes it. And she's like, baby, you have eaten all the banana pudding. I'm like, get behind me, woman. I'm like, look, why did you make it if I can't eat it, right? Like, I love some banana pudding. It's the best. And um, I'm just a dessert fan. I love dessert. I could eat it all day, every day, and it quenches my soul, right? Uh, I've been on TV before, and I kind of like it, but I promise you, if I had a steady diet of banana pudding, I would be on next season's Biggest Loser, right? We all know that. We understand that. There's a reason why dessert comes last. It's because it's not the best for you. So Peter is writing here to Christians who are dispersed throughout Asia Minor, and, uh, and, and they're in trials and they're, stru- and they're in struggles, and he is saying to them, he's talking about um, their spiritual growth, and he's saying, don't let anything stunt your spiritual growth, and there's ways that we do so. And so he uses this metaphor of food, specifically he talks about milk, and he has in mind that, that there are, in times of struggle in our life, the worst thing we could do is not grow through it. And so we understand this idea of food and what we eat is good and bad for us. And so this morning, I want to preach a message titled, You Are What You Eat. First Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 1. If you have a Bible, you can follow along. You can turn it on, turn it to, or you can read the screen. Here it goes. Verse 1. Therefore, Peter says, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Verse 2. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Verse 3, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Amen. 
I want to start at the end of the passage uh, here this morning, and I want to make my way back to verse 1 and then come back to verse 2. And Peter has this idea, like a good dietitian, Peter has a plan and a diet that will help us grow spiritually. And specifically through our trials and our struggles, he's got a plan and he's got an idea. And he says, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. He goes back to chapter 1, verses 1 through 12, and he reminds us of the goodness of God in transforming our lives. If you've come to faith in Jesus, you know that you may not be what you ought to be, but you aren't what you used to be, and God is good. I remember when I got saved when I was 17 years old. Christ changed my life. I grew up in church, and I heard about Jesus on a regular basis, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and we used to do Wednesday night too. I grew up in church, but it wasn't until I was 17 when Jesus changed my life. And I remember after I got saved in January of 1993, I remember it was like three weeks later, I went to a party where I probably normally would have been against my parents' wishes. And I pulled a friend out of the party and I took him back to his house and I shared as much of Jesus as I could. You remember when you first got saved? If you know Jesus, if you have been transformed by Jesus, you remember when you first got saved, you did things that you never did before. You read the Bible, you went places you didn't go before, you'd go to church. I mean, you had this passion of Jesus and you would tell people about it. You remember when you tasted that Jesus was good? You remember that? Psalms 34 chapter 8 uh, verse 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Good. And by the way, it wasn't just something that you read about in a book. It was something that you experienced in, when God was good and gracious to you. And Peter says, God tastes better than. And you fill in the blank. And so, um, and so I don't know. Uh, this week, I, I was in Dallas, and I went out to eat with a group of guys, and somebody else was paying, and we went to uh, Ocean Prime. Anybody ever been to Ocean Prime? <laughs> You don't know it? Okay, that's all right. Um, So uh, we went to Ocean Prime, and I had an appetizer of calamari and crab cakes. Hallelujah. And and then they brought out the filet, 10-ounce filet that I could have cut with my fork. It was amazing. And then they brought out this, like, peanut butter. I don't even know what it was called, but it was so good. And it was amazing, right? Like, like I'm eating this food, and it's, and I never, by the way, when I go out of town and I eat like this, I never tell my wife what I'm eating, right? <laughs> and she's like, well, I wish I was eating like that. Because I have in mind, I've got to go back home, and eventually I've got to start eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches again, right? Like, once you've tasted an unbelievable meal. It's hard to go back to what's ordinary. Like if, like if you're a ramen noodles eater, like you, you just moved to the city and you're trying to make it in the industry, you're saving money and you've got seven roommates like ramen noodles, hamburger helper, but then finally once you taste a 10-ounce steak from Ocean Prime, you're like, I don't want to go back to ramen noodles, right? Peter says once you have tasted how good Jesus is, In essence, he's saying to the first century Christians and to us 2,000 years later, he's sort of asking us a question. And the question goes like this, what, what, what taste is in your mouth? Like what taste is in your mouth? Like if, you, if you've tasted Jesus, it can be a common experience even though, even though Christ has changed our lives. It can be a common experience to know how good Jesus is, but then to supplement your diet with spiritual junk food. And Peter is saying, Peter is saying to us this morning, 
A spiritually healthy soul must be fed the right things. A spiritually healthy soul must be fed the right things. And so Peter is about to say, put away the junk food. Put away the bad stuff. Even though it may taste good to you, he said there is real food that will actually nourish your soul. So if your your soul is going to be healthy, then it must be fed the right things. So here's what Peter's going to do. He's going to go back to verse 1, and he's going to lay out, like a good dietitian, he's going to lay out a plan and a healthy diet to help us grow up. I've, I've been in the place before where I've known Jesus, and I've had good seasons and bad seasons, and I've needed a pastor to look me in the eyes and say, you need to grow up. And Peter is sharing that same word here this morning. Go back to verse 1, and verse 1 says this. Therefore, rid yourselves, rid yourselves of all, he, he, he says five things, of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Peter is about to say there's some junk food that we have a tendency to indulge in. <laughs> If, 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 uh, if uh, you would open up my cabinet uh, in my home, you will see that we have a healthy diet of M&M's and Starburst and Skittles. And I love those things. And by the way, gummy bears. I don't know if you, hey, um, somebody buys me these gummy bears and they're so amazing, like smart and final. Is that where it comes from? If, you, if you're the one that gives me the, they're, they're amazing. Like I could eat them all the time. So in verse 2, Peter is about to talk about this healthy hunger and appetite for God's word. But in verse 1, he says there's some preconditions. There's some preconditions that are needed in order to fill that hunger for Jesus and what he offers for us. James, by the way, says the exact same thing. In chapter 1, verse 21 of James, he says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word that's been implanted, which is able to save your soul. So Peter says there, he's going to mention five things. These aren't the only things, but he says there's five things that will cause you to lose your appetite. And they're so bad for your spiritual appetite that you need to say no to them. And these are the five things that he says. By the way, here's the idea. Horizontal sins, horizontal sins will take away your appetite for vertical truth. Horizontal sins will take away your appetite for vertical truth. And here's what he says. He first of all mentions malice. Malice gives us this idea of of ill will. It begins inside of us. Typically malice um, um, manifests itself as a complaining, grouchy person. Peter says, put away your complaints Put away your grouchiness. He says it will kill your appetite for vertical truth. Then he mentions deceit. I like this. Deceit is, is, is what it literally means is, is to bait a hook. And Peter would understand this idea of baiting a hook, you remember, because Jesus called him out of his, his occupation as a fisherman. And so Peter says, um, put away deceit. Um, it's this idea, you know, when you go fishing, that's, that's in essence what we're doing. Whenever I go to my mother-in-law's house, she lives on the river, and we will take our kids out, and they've got their own kid fishing poles, and we will take a loaf of bread. I don't know, do you do this? Uh, you ever done this? And, um, and so and we like ball it up, and we put it on the end of a hook and um and we lie to the fish (laughs) we lie to the fish that we have bread for you and then we catch fish that's in essence what peter is saying when we are deceitful to people we we are we're covering up something to deceive somebody we play a trick to get our way we're dishonest 
with them um, with an overt lie that just cleverly disguises the truth to get our own way. I don't know if that describes you this morning, but Peter says that's junk food. And it will take away your appetite and your ability to eat real food. Then he mentions hypocrisy. It's the word that comes from Greek plays. You understand this idea. Um, by the way, it's, it's Halloween. Um, it's Halloween. And uh, we went trick-or-treating on Friday night. I have a picture of my son. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's either a lumberjack or a hipster. And, um, and he's got a beard. I don't know if you can see that. It's pretty amazing. And, um, and, and so this idea of hypocrisy is actually putting on a mask. It's putting on the mask, and typically in Greek plays, they would put on a mask that would symbolize um, joy, or they would put on a mask that would symbolize sorrow. And so Peter says, um, hypocrisy has the ability to destroy your appetite for real food that's good for your soul. I don't know if you saw this this year. There was a 19-year-old kid in Florida that impersonated um, being a real doctor. He created his own website. He rented out an office building, and people would literally come to him, and he would dispense uh, medical advice to people. Um, I'm like, this is absolutely insane. And so he was arrested for it. And then he was arrested again for um, impersonating somebody else because he tried to buy a Jaguar. Like, like, that's the essence of deceit. We're disguising who we really are for something else. Let's just be honest and real this morning. Story City Church is a place where you can be real. It's so easy to come to church on Sunday morning. And Monday through Saturday be somebody totally different. Peter says, put away your hypocrisy. It's not good to nourish your soul. Then he mentions envy. It's typically the last sin that Christians will confess because it's so ugly. Somebody else has received something. They've been blessed. They got the job. They got the role. It breeds this attitude deep within us that, that, we, that, we, uh, that we just, that, that, and then oftentimes, like, like we, we're happy that something bad happened to somebody else. Peter says, quench it, get rid of it. It's not good for your soul. Then he says slander, which literally means to speak down. It means gossip. It's kind of a cheap shot in conversation. Sometimes you're like, well, like, like you raise your eyebrow. You start to say something like, oh, no, no, never mind. Never mind. I, I don't want to go there. I don't want to talk about them. Peter says it's junk food, and it will destroy your appetite. I think these aren't the only five things that, that, that can stunt our spiritual growth, but Peter brings them up, and I think, like, if, if you were to take an autopsy of a spiritually dying soul, and you opened it up, we could list one by one, one by one, all of these things that have led to a soul that is slowly dying, and your bitterness will kill your appetite for the sweetness of Jesus in your life, which leads us to verse 2. Leads us to verse 2, and then Peter wants to say, be faithful to feed on truth. Here's what he actually says. Like newborn babies, crave spiritual, no, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. You know the highest rate of growth in a human life is, um, is as a baby, like, like, I go away for a weekend and I come back. I'm like, Roman's changed. He's different. Like, he's older. He's talking in full sentences. I'm like, where did this happen? Like, like the highest rate of growth in a human's life is that of in, when, when we're in the infant stage. It's like we change weekly and they're growing rapidly because they're eating 
ravenously, right? Um, my wife volunteers on Friday mornings at my kid's school. And um, as soon as the door closes, she leaves with Deacon, who's in first grade, Eden, who's in kindergarten, and she goes to volunteer for four hours. And it leaves me at home with Roman for a few hours. And when she closes the door, it's like clockwork. Roman will come over to me and he'll say, Daddy, Daddy, bar bar and what he means is we've got these uh we've got these like these uh i don't know how you describe it they're not bad uh maybe they are bad for you i don't know they're they're not good for you and laura doesn't normally feed roman these bars he doesn't normally get bars because she knows it's not good for his health and the only time he gets it is typically when mom leaves the house right Babies are so faithful to let you know when they're hungry. Like if you're a mom in this room this morning, you've got a small child. By the way, we're going to dedicate here in a couple of weeks, and I'm excited. Like our church is exploding with young families, which is amazing. If you're a mom or a dad of a baby in this room, you know when your child cries, and that's a hunger cry right? Like, but we don't ever, like, oh my gosh, geez, that's so rude. Like, why would you cry like that? Or why would you cry now? I'm in the middle of my football game. I'm in the middle of my book. Like, you are so rude. Like, we don't say that to babies. Why? Because we know that the hunger cry is the impetus. It's like, it's the flag waving that says, it's time for me to grow because we know that milk is absolutely necessary for life, right? We can't live Without it, in order to grow, a baby needs milk. But listen to me real quick. Oftentimes I've read this passage and it seems to imply that Peter is talking to people who are spiritually immature, right? Like, 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 like spiritual babies. In fact, we get that metaphor to other places of Scripture and that can apply often. But in this passage, Peter's not saying, hey, 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 you're spiritually mature. Like, like your rate of spiritual growth is just not rapid enough. He's actually saying something different. And what he means is we should crave God's truth like a baby craves milk. And if you do so, you will grow because of it. On a scale of 1 to 10. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being like mildly uh, or totally disinterested, 10 being ravenous. What's your own spiritual hunger this week? Like, like where do you rate yourself on the scale? Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. It's interesting, Jesus didn't say, blessed are those who snack on a Snickers at midnight, for they will be filled, right? Like, but that describes a lot of our spiritual lives. Like, 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 like we're, 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 we're passionate about advancing our careers while we're still on training wheels spiritually. And, and Peter is saying to us, the antidote for, for a life that's malnourished spiritually is to crave pure spiritual milk. In essence, what he has in mind here, in essence, what he has in mind in here is the word, it's the scriptures, the very words of God. And he's saying, crave it. He says, there's life that's found in it. And that's the real thrust of this passage. Just like a baby has to have milk, crave spiritual truth. Remember how you devoured the scripture when you first got saved? Remember it? Maybe there was a time in your life where you, you just couldn't live without a day in 
the scriptures and now there can be weeks at a time, months at a time. There may even be years at a time where you have gone without the pure spiritual milk of God's word. It's interesting that Peter uses an adjective to describe the milk here. He just doesn't say crave milk. He says crave pure spiritual milk. In other words, no additives, no contaminants. In other words, um, in other words he's saying, um, it's, it gives us this idea of, of, of pure grain or pure uncontaminated corn, or in this case, pure uncontaminated milk, right? Like if you have a baby and they're still on milk, you know you don't give your baby 2% milk, right? You don't give your baby skim milk, right? No, that's, that's for old guys like me whose metabolism is slowing down. A baby needs pure, uncontaminated milk. Nothing added to it. You know why? Because that's how they put on weight. That's how they grow. And Peter is saying, don't stunt your growth by adding to it. Not the Bible plus psychology. Not the Bible plus philosophy. And he says, because here by it, here by it, you may grow. Can I say to you this morning, you cannot grow spiritually without a steady diet of God's word. You can't grow. Uh, I think it, I had all these illustrations that I want to tangibly bring in this morning. Like I had this idea that I wanted to cook a steak on stage and have some banana pudding and, and I was going to eat it in front of you. And then I had this other illustration that I was going to bring out um, uh, Tyler. No, don't think of Tyler. Just don't, don't give, put a name to it. Um, somebody in that would come out and they're wearing an adult diaper. They're an adult person with a passy in their mouth. Right, a binky in their mouth. <laughs> and a rattle, right? That's weird, right? <laughs> that's weird. I think Tyler just said, yes, that's weird back there. It's weird. Isn't that no way? Is that your Halloween costume? Is that what you're doing tomorrow? That's cool. That's sad. Like, that, that would be weird if an adult came out. I actually watched this show one time where it was these adult grown men who have, still have these fantasies of being a baby, and they literally sleep in a crib. That is weird to me. I don't know what you said, but it's awesome. You could say it. <laughs> Is that me spiritually? Is that you spiritually? Have I grown? Like, have I stagnated and have I stayed at the place where God brought me to? I love how the message describes 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. The band's going to come up and we're going to be done. 2 Timothy 3, 16 says, Every part of Scripture is God-breathed, and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word we are put together and shaped up for the task that God has for us. I'm not just talking about simply knowing about Scripture. I'm talking about the confluence of knowledge and practice in your life because I think it's entirely possible that, 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 we, can, that we can be theologically in college and practically in kindergarten. And Peter says, stop feeding on the junk that's going to stunt your spiritual growth. 
cut our teeth on advancing our careers, but we so malnourish ourselves spiritually that we don't have teeth to eat real food. Peter says, grow up. Go further than where you are. The thing is, is that if we are in the place that Peter describes, it's difficult to come out because most of us either don't know or have forgotten how good it really is. So some of us have this idea that of, about church that I'll go to church, I'll dress up, I'll show up. Some of us go a step further, I'll go to church, I'll dress up, I'll show up, I'll listen up. Peter has this idea that's altogether different and he says, grow up. Just grow up. Like, like, if you've tasted Jesus, like he's the appetizer, really. Like he's the appetizer that brings your soul to the place of salvation and understanding that he's good. But somewhere along the process, you've been feeding your soul spiritual junk food and it's taken your appetite away. And Peter's saying, clear the table. Clear the table so we can make room for the real food. Because we'll never make it vertical as long as we continue to focus horizontal. So I have a challenge for you this week. We're in the book of 1 Peter, working our way through all the way to the end of chapter 1, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm chapter 6, and I'm sorry, chapter 5. And I want to encourage you this week. There's, there's five chapters, there's seven days between now and next Sunday. I'd encourage you to take a day a week this week and just read one chapter of 1 Peter, two extra days to give yourself grace in case you miss a day. Maybe some of you guys are already feeding on a steady diet and you're looking for something new. My pastor reads through the book of Proverbs every single month. He reads something else, but he reads Proverbs every single month because there are 31 chapters in Proverbs and he reads a chapter a day. And he's been doing it for years and years. I wanna to say to you this morning, it doesn't have to be this way. There's a plan to grow up and you are what you eat this week. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you're kind and gracious. You're good. God, I know there's been seasons in my own life where the taste of you nourishing my soul has been so sweet. God, there's been other seasons where I've just honestly enjoyed things that malnourish my soul. God, this morning I pray that you would bring us back to the goodness and the grace of God who brought us to a place, Lord, to transform our lives where you've laid up an inheritance for us that's unperishable and undefiled and will never fade away. God, this morning I pray that you bring us to a place where we nourish our souls. In Jesus' name, amen.